Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore. I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I want to do something big and something important. I'm not like you. I'm nothing. Just let me be nothing. So where does the power come from to see the race to its end? I believe God made me for a purpose. If you commit yourself to the love of Christ, then that is how you run a straight race. Run in God's name and let the world stand back in wonder. Welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no, sir, it wasn't. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We are seeing an increase in uh, those who are listening. The regular weekly audience is growing, and the feedback has been amazing, and I'm grateful for it. Thank you very much for that feedback. Thank you for sending me the emails, and I try to respond to each and every one of them. I'm kind of surprised at some of the people that are that are listening sometimes, and I'm grateful. I'm just trying to be an encouragement. I'm trying to be helpful. I know sometimes I'm covering some topics that may be a little bit controversial, but hey, it's just something I'm trying to do to say things that are important to me and that I hope will be important to the people that are listening. I have an interesting topic to me. I hope that it will be interesting to you. I'm going to talk to you today about the subject of practicing. Should pastors practice pastoring? It might not seem controversial, but you'd be surprised how often the answer is no. Well, that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. I hope you'll stick with me. So if you don't know me personally, you may not know this, but I play a lot of musical instruments. Music has always been something that I am very passionate about. And I have, sitting here in my office right now, I have two harps, a hammered dulcimer, a violin, several flutes, and a harmonica, as well as a penny whistle. And I play all of them. Not every day, but I love to play musical instruments. And I understand, because of that, the need to practice. I recently read a couple of books on the subject of practicing, and the subject of skill, and they got me thinking about practice as it relates to the pastorate. One of the books I read is called The Talent Code. It's by Daniel Coyle. Now, I I understand, I want you to understand, this is not written by a Christian author. It's a secular book focused on the topic of developing skills as related to the brain and the substance known as myelin. It is really a great book, and I totally recommend it. Full disclosure, though, There is some language in the book, uh, so I'm giving maybe a PG rating for the more sensitive uh, listeners among us. Now, if you only read the Bible, sermon books, and your movie viewing doesn't uh, extend beyond Sheffy, and you consider Fireproof with Kirk Cameron to be a bridge too far, then I would definitely skip this book. Uh, You've been warned. 
Otherwise, dive in. I think you'll find it fascinating, and I think it's definitely something worth reading. Again, that's The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. I don't get any money for that endorsement. I'm just saying it's an awesome book. It's not a theology book. It's not a philosophy book. It's a secular book about developing skill, and I think it's important. So I recommend it if you haven't read it, or pick it up on audiobook and listen to it there. After reading that book, uh, I was thinking over this idea of practicing, and so I got onto Facebook, and I typed up some uh, uh, a question on a Facebook group that I was part of, uh, of this other small church pastors, and I asked them how they viewed practice in the ministry and what they did to practice their skills. I was disappointed, but not surprised by the responses that I received. You know, responses I received ranged all over the place, but here's an example of things that I heard, like, you can't practice the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know if they said it in that ver- in that voice. Uh, maybe it was, uh, you can't practice the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was more like that, or like, you can't practice the Holy Spirit. I don't know what voice they said it in. I was, I'm, just, I'm just guessing. You can't tell that from text. Um, another thing that I heard was, uh, preaching shouldn't be viewed as a skill. It should be done under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Um... Okay. Uh, I actually had someone respond and say, this is a dangerous point of view. We don't need professional pastors. We need God-called pastors. I, I don't completely disagree with the need. I'm, I can't see how my question was dangerous to that. I, I mean, I understand we don't need professional pastors, if by that you mean guys that are standing up on television and and wiping sweat onto a hanky and then selling it for a hundred bucks, yeah, we don't need that. We don't need pastors who go around praying the exact same prayer for 30 years every time they get behind the pulpit and they're so polished and wooden that that there's no genuineness to what they say. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But to say that practicing would produce professional pastors to the exclusion of God-called pastors is to say that God-called pastors never need to practice or hone their skills. And I I just, I can't go along with that. I have a, I have a problem with that. I might be wrong, but, you know, I have a problem with it. Now, to be fair, I might have been misunderstood. I did try to follow up with explanations, but I just got more of the same. So I, I might be wrong here. Uh, I I'm certainly might be in the minority, but I still want to talk about it and at least challenge us to think about it. Now, here are a couple of reasons that I think practice might be something we should consider in the pastorate. I have seen a lot of absolutely horrible preaching passed off as Holy Ghost preaching. <laughs> now, you can say that you're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't make it so. If you listened to a lot of these Holy Spirit-led guys, you would come away thinking that the Holy Spirit is in favor of lies, exaggeration, southern food, crude speech, and biblical exegesis that appears to make the Holy Spirit unaware of the meaning of the very texts that he inspired, that he's random, unable to complete a full thought, and exhibits traits commonly associated with ADHD. He chases rabbits and is a bit schizophrenic as he looks and sounds angry, but talks a lot about the joy of the Lord. Sound like anything you know? 
Years ago, I tried the whole, quote, Holy Spirit-led thing. I took my verse, and I ranted for 30 minutes to an hour. I didn't use notes, only maybe a loose outline. And guess what? The Holy Spirit made me hurt a lot of people and say things that were completely wrong. Or maybe he didn't. Now, maybe I just did it wrong. I can hear somebody saying, well, you obviously weren't submitted to the Holy Spirit. Well, here's the thing. It's hard for me to argue with that, but I've seen a lot of guys that, that claim to be preaching under the power of the Holy Spirit who, who, uh, who do all the things that I mentioned before and more. For example, you tell people, you come and we're going to start our service at this time and we're going to end our service at this time and then this comes time for the service to end and the pastor who hasn't practiced and isn't good at, at uh, um, scheduling his time and delivering his message within the, the time frame that has been um, promised blames it on the Holy Spirit for why he goes over. And you know what? It makes a lot of people not like the Holy Spirit too much because that Holy Spirit, that rascal, not trying to be irreverent, I'm just saying this is, the, this is what happens. That Holy Spirit never lets us out of here on time. Or maybe the pastor doesn't let people out on time because he hasn't practiced and isn't disciplined in order to deliver the message that God has given him in the time frame in which he has allotted that message to be delivered. Now, you can disagree with me. That's fine. You're free to do so. I'm just saying that... It's something to consider. It's just something to consider. Again, maybe I did it wrong, but here's the thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets because there were people speaking in tongues who were claiming they, they, they couldn't control themselves because they were underneath the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They were spirit-led by, by their own argument. But Paul said, no, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. That even under the inspiration of the Spirit, your will and behavior remain under your own control. You don't get a pass. You have to own it. If we stink at our job, we have no one to blame but ourselves. And I think we should be embarrassed at some of the things we blame on the Holy Spirit. I've preached a lot of messages that I felt missed the mark. But in each case, I knew it was because of a lack of preparation or a lack of understanding on my part. I don't blame the Holy Spirit for that. I have said things that I regret, and usually when I am just preaching extemporaneously with, and without notes, that's the time when, uh, when, I, when I do it. So much preaching that is under the guise of Holy Spirit-led sounds a lot like this very famous sermon by Luther. What is a guest speaker? Let me clarify this. I have been called brave. What is brave? Let me clarify this. Of course, we all know that it is short for bravery. That goes without even being said. <clears throat> Take your World War II. There were many heroes in World War II. What were your heroes? Who were your heroes? Let me clarify this. Thank you for having me. 
Oh, you thought I meant Martin Luther. No, that's Luther from The Ghost and Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts, one of my all-time favorite movies. Anyway, but I've sat in a lot of sermons that sounded a, a lot like that. To my embarrassment, I've probably preached a lot of sermons that sounded like that, usually when I wasn't prepared, thinking that I could depend upon the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He didn't do his job. Or, or maybe I didn't do mine. And that's just in the area of preaching, right? Uh, there's so much more to pastoring than preaching. There's counseling, hospital visits, making phone calls, making home visits, deacons meetings, dealing with confrontation, prayer, Bible study, etc., etc., etc. How about when Paul tells Timothy, be thou an example of the believers? Now go and look what Paul said. He didn't say, be thou an example to the believers. He said, be thou an example of the believers. Be an example of what a real believer looks like, Timothy. And how is that possible? I think it's possible only through practice. There are so many passages of Scripture that seem to infer the need to practice, right? Um, the one I just mentioned, uh, be thou an example of the believers, 1 Timothy 4.12. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. That, in, that implies practice and, and, and giving your whole heart to it. Colossians 3.23, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, or as to the Lord and not unto men. Um, there's also a verse here, if I can find it. Let me just, let me just type it up in my... Um, my Bible program here. I should have had it up, but in the meantime, I'll just have some elevator music. I don't have any elevator music. Let me see if I can find some while I'm looking for it. Okay, I'm back. Did you enjoy that elevator music? Here we go. Second Chronicles 31.20. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and tr uh, and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. So he didn't take this idea and just say, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead me. He put his whole heart into this. And I don't know how to do something wholeheartedly unless I have spent time practicing it and perfecting it so that I can deliver the absolute best that I can do. So whatever Hezekiah decided to do, he put his all into it. And I think that's important. How about one more verse in uh, in Hebrews chapter number 5, and then we know this verse, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, goes like this in the King James Bible, for when the time, uh, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is, what's the word? Unskillful. Now, how do you develop skill? through practice, unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. He's not developed yet. He is young. He, does, he lacks the necessary skill through practice. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, and the word use, um, uh, who by reason of use have their senses exercised uh, to discern both good and evil. The term use there means habit or practice, habit or practice. 
That's what it means. So we could read it, even those who by reason of habit and practice, or have the, pra- the habit of practice, have their senses exercised. And the word exercised goes back to the games and practicing in an arena. Actually, when I look up the, the Greek word for it, it means to practice naked, that is to train, like the the uh, the Greek um, uh, the the Greek athletes would practice, and many times practice naked. I'm definitely not recommending you practice preaching while you're naked, but maybe practicing the shower is how you could do that. I don't know, um, but we we must be careful in in how we apply this. But the whole point is that. Performance is not practice. Practice is practice, and practice prepares us for the performance. And I know you're gonna. Some people are gonna say, "Well, you shouldn't call preaching a performance." Well, listen, I've seen a lot of preaching that would have been better if it was a practiced performance, rather than one just off off the cuff. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that seem to indicate the importance of being ready and skillful in in what we do. And practice, having the habit of practice. You can't be practiced. You can't have your senses exercised without practice. A weekly And weekly performances are not the same as practice. Professional musicians and athletes don't view the, the time they play in the game as practice. The game time is the time when their practice shows. Right? Now, I want to give you some thoughts on how I am trying to practice being a pastor and some things that I would like to do better. But first, okay, so in 2 Timothy 2.21, Paul talks about actions that can be taken on the part of a man to purge himself from certain things and thereby make himself meet for the master's use. He would be both meet, that is acceptable, and prepared. Prepared for the master's use. Prepared unto every good work. He'll be meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Preparation is practice. I want to practice. I want to practice to hone my skills and abilities to make myself acceptable and prepared to be used by God. This is not the Holy Spirit's job unilaterally. Unilaterally. It is not the Holy Spirit's job unilaterally. Paul says the man purges himself and is thereby meet and prepared. All right, so what about practice? Here are some ways that we can practice in the ministry, practice at getting better at, at the job that we do. First of all, we remember that practice is not performance. You say, well, I preach three times a week, that's enough practice. No, that is the time that your practice shows. The place to practice is not in the normal service times. Practice takes place off the field or outside of game time. It may take place on the field, but outside of game time. You practice to be what you're going to be. My dad drilled that into my head as a boy. Mark, what you are on the basketball court is going to be what you are in practice. And I have told that to my kids. You will never be better in the game than you are in practice. In fact, you'll usually not be as good in the game as you were in practice. So you strive in practice to perfect your skills, and that will translate to the game. But you practice to be what you're going to be. The reason some of us are undisciplined in our preaching is because we are undisciplined in our practice. And so it shows. Right? Practice means examining yourself. It means looking for errors and weaknesses to shore up. It means doing something over and over and over again until you get it right. Now, when it comes to preaching, that might mean practicing your delivery. 
stand in the pulpit outside of a service time and preach your message. You will, I don't know my message until the Holy Spirit give it, gives it to me. Baloney. Fooey on that. That's not being prepared. I just don't, I don't, I'm just not going to be convinced. You know the message that God has laid on your heart. Well, he doesn't give it to me till right before I preach. Well, there have been times in my pastoral ministry where I had a sermon prepared and I felt strongly that at the last minute God was changing my mind uh, on that. And in most cases, the sermon met a specific need. But that is a rarity, and I, I can't say that that's not happening to you every single time. I'm just saying that I've heard far too many preachers preach claiming that that is what's happening, that's what's happening, that I would be embarrassed to blame what comes on out of their mouth on the Holy Spirit. Now, you do what you think is right. I'm just telling you, I think sometimes we would do better at practicing, and in this case, practicing our delivery, all right? Practice your diction. Learn to speak properly. Um, now, I know some of this is cultural. I know down south that it's pop, that it's popular to, brother this and blah, 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 and, and every, all your words sound like sausage and gravy coming out of your mouth, and I know that that's the way it is down south, but um, the truth of the matter is you want to be able to be understood. Let me, let me give you an example of how this, how this might be important. When I first started going to the Philippines, I, I mentioned that in last, one of the last week's episodes, when I first started going to the Philippines, the very first year that I was there, I was preaching, and they said, don't worry, all the young people know English. So I started preaching, but my preaching was full of figures of speech and uh, terminology that was not clear, cultural references. And I started to recognize, through the help of a an American Filipino missionary, that young people were not understanding the words I was saying because I was using terminology that was understood in the South and parts of America, but were not actually part of regular English speaking. And so I had to slow down and start thinking about the words I was using. Was I using words that would be clearly understood? Words easy to be understood. That's a biblical concept, okay? Um, I once I once told my wife that preaching in the Philippines is is the only place that I actually have to think when I'm preaching. But you know, I think it would be good for us to learn to think while we're preaching. Think about the people we're preaching to. Just yesterday in Sunday school, one of the men raised his hand in our discussion time and said, you know, Pastor, sometimes I hear you use the word hope as in the hope of the resurrection. And I wonder sometimes if people today understand what the word hope even means in a biblical context, and maybe we should be explaining that a little bit better. We had a great conversation about that because he's right. The word hope, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing, the hope of the resurrection and all the times that hope is mentioned, hope in the Bible doesn't mean what hope um, means in everyday language today. And I think recognizing that is important to take time to define our terms and to explain. And the best way we're going to know to do that is when we look at the message that we're going to preach and identify those problem spots even before we preach our message. Then practice it and find out if what we're saying is clear or not. Now, everybody does it differently. I write all my sermons out by hand. I could type. I'm a proficient typer, but I don't. I like writing them out with pen and paper, and I write everything out almost in narrative form. And I've been doing this now for a couple of years, and I really enjoy it. And then I'll stand in the pulpit or in my office, and I'll preach through out loud the message that I'm going to be delivering. 
And oftentimes, once I'm doing that and I'm hearing it out loud, I'll recognize areas where I haven't been clear, where I haven't made logical connections, and where I haven't uh, adequately supported the truth of a claim that I'm making. And I'll have a chance to make a note and go back and work on that. That's just me. It doesn't have to be how you do it, but it's what I mean. Practice your delivery. Practice your diction. Also, um, practice ignoring bad habits and learn to practice good ones. Uh, pay attention to your body language in the pulpit. Um, you know, uh, I, I watched a guy the other day that every couple of minutes he kept reaching up and, and wiping his nose and rubbing his nose, and it was distracting. Um, and maybe his nose itched, but I've seen him preach several times, and he always does the same thing. Sometimes we can develop self-conscious, self, uh, um, subconscious habits. Uh, physical habits and bodily motions that are distracting to people. Believe it or not, I watched a guy um, preach several years ago who kept adjusting himself. You know what I'm saying? He kept adjusting himself in the pulpit, and that is distracting, okay? So um, uh, pay attention to bad mannerisms or distracting mannerisms and work at cultivating how you move and act in the pulpit. Again, uh, you don't want to be—you don't want to look robotic, but you don't want to be distracting. You want to appear at ease, so that none of our um, uh, hand motions—and this applies even to how we motion. Uh, you know, uh, so again, if every time you're making a point, you use both of your hands and you motion to the right every single time, somebody might be wondering what's over there on the right that he keeps motioning to. The motions don't match the the uh, the words that are coming out of our mouths, and. I know it sounds like a lot of work. I get that. But listen, don't we want the delivery of the message of God to be as well done as possible? Practicing. Watch your videos. A lot of us are live streaming right now. It's painful, but go back and watch your videos and make notes of things that you said or did that were distracting and work to cut those out of your delivery. Okay? Man, I'm running out of time so fast, uh, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not even ready to be done yet. Um, all right, so um, pay attention to body language in the pulpit. Practice good grooming. Brush your hair. Trim your beard. Um, uh, make sure your tie is tied right if you wear a tie. Make sure your shirt is tucked in. Don't be all wrinkled in the pulpit. Look, look presentable. I couldn't care less whether you wear a shirt and tie in the pulpit. It matters not to me. But at least look like you cared about the way you dressed. Not so that you make a statement to others about your piety, but so that the way you dress doesn't distract people from the message, all right? So pulpit presence. Make sure you can practice that. Uh, how about get a coach? Get a coach. Ask someone that you respect. Could be your wife, although that might be detrimental to your marriage relationship, but get a coach. Get someone who is able and, and has permission to critique your preaching. It's not pleasant but it is profitable. Um, get it, so get, allow them to critique your performance. Were you clear? Were you concise? Did you waste energy? Not only that, hey, learn to sweat the small stuff. Learn to sweat the small stuff. You know, Mel Gibson in The Patriot told his sons, aim small, miss small. It's good advice. Learn to sweat the small stuff. Focus on the little areas. Pick a small area of your pastoral ministry where you know there is a weakness and focus on it until we improve. Come on, do it. Do it this week, I challenge you. Pick an area that you know you're weak at and focus on it until you improve. Practice it. Stop we need to stop kidding ourselves into thinking we don't need to practice. We all do. We all need to practice to improve our skill. 
Next, something that professional musicians and sports uh, professionals do is study the masters. There is nothing wrong with studying and copying the actions of those who are skilled in your field. Nothing wrong with that at all. Read sermons of great pastors uh, or speakers. Listen and watch the listen to their words and watch the way uh, that they act. And men who fit what you envision as good pastoral ministry, watch how they interact with people and try to and practice to emulate those behaviors in your own life. I'm not talking about becoming a carbon copy, but I am talking about following and copying uh, someone else's example to uh, to help our skill. So study the masters. Uh, uh, next, do the things you don't want to do, or do the thing you don't want to do. What is it in pastoral ministry that you don't want to do? Do the thing that you don't want to do, and then do it again. Whether that's prayer, or visitation, or study, or reading, or apologizing, or having a difficult conversation, do the thing you don't want to do, and then do it again until you're good at it. Recognize that proficiency in one area doesn't mean proficiency in all areas. So we want to practice for balance. We want to be balanced. And I hate the word balance as much as the next guy. But if you're good at preaching, you may not be good at visitation. Practice your weaknesses. Proficiency in one area does not mean proficiency in all areas. All right? Some of us are great in the pulpit, but fall short in pew ministry. Some of us have great people skills but bad pulpit presence and delivery. So practice your weak spots. Now guys, none of this minimizes the importance of the Holy Spirit. None of it does. I think it maximizes it. What better way to show God we are serious about the work that he has called us to do than to practice to be prepared for his use. Prepared unto every good work. Man, there is so much more to say, but I have run out of time. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, though. I truly would. Do you have specific things that you do to hone your pastoring skills? Um, I'd like to know about that. Send me an email at thispoorpastor at gmail.com, and I will respond. And thank you so much for your emails and for your support. Well, that's all for this week. I don't know. I may have another episode out earlier, um, maybe uh, maybe the next week, maybe the, uh, Wednesday or Friday. I've got some thoughts on my mind, and I want to sit down and think about it. I want to present the best possible podcast for you that's worth your time to listen to. If I'm asking you to take 25 to 30 minutes a week to listen to this podcast, I want it to be beneficial. I hope that you're finding it to be. If you are, share it with someone. You can share it on Facebook. You can share it on Twitter. You can email it to somebody. Um, uh, leave, a, leave a kind rating on your favorite podcast app if you would that'll help other people to find it i appreciate it so much thanks guys hey look i'm right there with you i'm in the trenches with you i'm a small church pastor like most of you that are listening thank you for those who are listening that are not pastors but listening is helping you to be a better christian and maybe to help your pastor and understand him a little bit more all right guys i'm out see you next week right here for another episode of this poor pastor's podcast have a great week